this morning because we recognize you as the ruler of all we um, we we live certain portions of our lives thinking otherwise we perhaps thought that we were in control and and found out painfully that that wasn't so and then because you granted us vision you allowed us to see our need of a savior and now we know of a truth that the high king of heaven is the ruler of all he's not only the ruler of the the suns and the stars he's not the ruler simply of governments and nations he's the ruler over my own stubborn will he rules not only in the heavens he rules over at my house he rules at my desk he rules in my car that this one who provided a savior for our sin is the one in whom we find our, our highest joy we find in him our our greatest delight at obedience because he has never commanded anything that would hurt us that what he what he asks for of us is that which will make life better and simpler and more enjoyable and little by little oh god we're learning that we're learning that if if life is to ever make sense if it is ever to work the way it's supposed to work it will become more oh so much more workable as we obey you and so to the high ruler the king of heaven we gladly submit this morning our father we are a people who are grateful that we live in a land where we're free we're free to believe what we believe but oh god we uh, we also are free to tell others what we believe and it seems to so many of us that if there is to ever be any hope for our culture it will be as the christian church begins to open her mouth and speak and and declare that we have found something better not that we are better people or smarter than anybody else but we found in Jesus Christ a life that is better the one that we thought was going to work out for us and didn't oh this one has and we want to share we want to be like one beggar telling another beggar where we found bread so oh God thrust us into the streets might we be a people who are so overtaken with our Savior that our mouths cannot be stopped. Father, thank you for providing for us in such a marvelous fashion. We are people who are well-fed, well-clothed, well-housed. And um, even when we thought that a house would bring us joy, it didn't. But Jesus Christ has. And so it is our pleasure, our privilege, to sacrifice for our Savior. And so we give, O oh God, not because the church tells us we have to, not because we're taxed we give because it's our privilege it's our absolute delight to give a very small portion of what you first gave us for the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ we love you Lord Jesus and are sorry we love you so little but our intention is to love you more and so we we recognize your authority and your lordship over our lives 
You are the one who is our highest loyalty in life. You are the one who taught your people to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Well, Matthew, and while you're finding that, I, I, I can't help but introduce to you the man who just played uh, that, Sonata in G minor. Um, that's Bill Fearfelder, who has a Ph.D. in microbiology and uh, teaches biology at Crichton College, I, I, a real Renaissance man. Thank you, Bill. <clears throat> also, don't forget to sign these blue cards. There's one in the chair back in front of you. If you haven't done it, or if you left it on the kitchen counter, do it real fast. Follow now as I read, beginning at verse 8 of um, Matthew 6, a passage that I hope you'll find terribly familiar. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it endures forever. In uh, a lot of ways, ladies and gentlemen, my task this morning is, is easier than it's been in the past, uh, or the past few weeks, as we've uh, been in this several-week-long series of forgiveness. My, my task this morning is much easier, because today's edition is simply to draw to your attention uh, just a portion, just a, a few of the passages uh, contained in this book concerning the subject of forgiveness. Um, there are, I, I hope you'll trust me in this, there are scads of them. And uh, very honestly, most of them, I, I, in fact, I would say virtually all of them are uh, fairly easy to understand. So my job this morning is simply showing you where they are making a comment or two about them because they're not that difficult to, uh, to understand. Now, I, I will hasten to add that, um, that the obedience that is required uh, from based on these verses, that's not easy. But simply finding the text and pointing them out to you and giving you a brief word of explanation about them, that's pretty easy. What you and I would agree is not easy is the obedience demanded by these texts. But uh, all I have to do today is, is show you a few of them and 
explain a little bit here and there. And then we can all walk away, I hope, with a sense of a, a better understanding of what God asks of all of us concerning this issue of forgiveness. I guess the hardest thing I had to do this week is figure out where to start because there's so many of them, and, and I had to be very selective in the ones that I included uh, because, in all honesty, folks, this gospel that you and I love so is a gospel that begins and ends with, with forgiveness. The, the Bible is full of this issue of forgiveness. So all I had to do is figure out, okay, uh, which ones would be most helpful, or at least make a decision as to hopefully which, which ones would be the most helpful for the people that I have grown to love, known as Gracie Van. So the one that I chose to start with is found in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we prayed it earlier. I read it earlier, and now I want you to uh, take a look at it because there is a statement in there, of course, contained in verse 12 about this grand issue of forgiveness. And it states simply this in verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I must say, ladies and gentlemen, that that little two-letter word as is a word of abject terror. <laughs> and, I, and I hope you'll see what I mean in a moment. But it's a word that invites comparison. It's contrasting and comparing a couple of things. And, and you must know that the Bible does that several times. And I, and I want you to see, uh, you might want to keep your finger in Matthew 6. But let me show you another couple of places where the Bible, concerning the subject of forgiveness, invites comparison. One of them is found in Ephesians chapter 4. It's in Ephesians 4.32, pretty simply found. But it states this in verse 32, And be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's that, those words of comparison again. Even as, see them? Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, there's another one that I want you to see, but it's exactly like that one. It's in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 13, which simply says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you. So you see, there's, there's, there's a couple of instances where we find those words of comparison again. It's saying, um, I want you to forgive even as Christ also forgave you. Uh, in Ephesians, it is that uh, even as God in Christ forgave you. A little bit of variation, not much. But the, but the primary thing that I want you to notice is that there's a comparison being made. A comparison that states very simply that the model and motive of forgiveness is the forgiveness that you received. Uh, I don't think it leaves us a whole lot of room as to whether uh, as to ask uh, who we are to forgive or how we're to forgive them or when we're to forgive them or how often we're to forgive them, it simply states that because we have been forgiven by God in Christ, you go forgive like that. Um, it is not an option. It is not a privilege. It is simply a duty, a Christian evangelical duty 
for us to uh, to forgive. Now, gang, let me let me pause to say I know that you've got some questions about well, what do I see to me? What if they do this? And you know, if they never came to me, and um, you know, I, I, I I've heard all those questions, and I'm going to address them. It will probably not be next week. It'll probably be the last week of January. We'll get to that. I promise. We're going to uh, address some of the questions that burn in your souls. But but we have to do this first. I, I have to tell you simply what the Bible requires of us. That's all I'm trying to do this morning. Now, whether you want to do it or not is going to be up to you, between you and the Heavenly Father. But it's not, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we, we have two texts here, in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians 13, that invite a comparison and say, listen, uh, here's what, here's, if you want to know how, here's how you can do it. All you need to do is go study the forgiveness that you got that you received in God through Christ. Go study that, understand it, uh, figure it all out, wrestle with it some, you know, and understand and fully drink in what it is that has been done for us in Christ. And then the simple task is now, go do that. <laughs> no big deal, huh? Um, to find out what forgiveness is required of me, I must simply go study God and then do that. Um, what this, this evangelical duty of forgiveness requires is simply that I be like God. You go forgive because God's like that. He forgives like this, and so figure out how he forgives and then it should be pretty easy for us to know at least what to do, how to do it, who to do it to, how often. We can just forgive like he does. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you've still got your finger in the Lord's Prayer, I would invite you to go back there because there is indeed a word of comparison there, but it's different than Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3. What I was seeking to do by showing you Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 is show you that there is one brand of text in the New Testament that says, here is your model. Uh, the model is, how did, Jesus, how did God in Christ forgive you? Now, even as that, you go, do the same. But in the Lord's Prayer, we have another, we have another invitation to compare, but it's vastly different. <laughs> There's a new dimension added, ladies and gentlemen. There's a new little tweak here. There's something altogether different about what is said in the Lord's Prayer and what is said in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, even though both, all three, invite comparison. Did you see it in verse 12? It's different. Because whereas in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, we are told that the forgiveness that Christ extends is to now influence and shape the, uh, the forgiveness that we extend. That's what Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 says. Look at this one. Take a look at this one, ladies and gentlemen. It says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What this text suggests is that the forgiveness that we receive 
is to be like the forgiveness that we extend. Um, forgive me, O oh God, we prayed, like I forgive her or him or them. What we just asked for about five minutes ago, ladies and gentlemen, when we prayed, this great prayer that you have prayed again and again and again and again and again and again and again, that's why we don't do it every week here. It becomes almost rote. But the prayer that we prayed, we prayed this. We said, God, here is the request I have of you. And my request is this, simply, God, I would like to be forgiven in the way that I just forgave my wife or my husband or my neighbor or my boss or my good friend. Do you know you prayed that? Let me ask you this. Do you really want that? Then stop praying it. Because what we ask God to do is extend to us forgiveness in like manner that we extend forgiveness to somebody else. Ooh. Forgive us our debts as just like, similar to the way I forgive those who are my debtors. Do you like the Methodist version better? <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story? That when I was in seminary, we would, um, <laughs> we were, uh, I was raised as a Methodist all my life, and when I was in seminary, um, we were assigned these little preaching uh, assignments on the weekends, and it was a way to pick up a few extra bucks, and so we would go to the placement office, and, and uh, you know, they'd have all these little churches of 12 that needed some kind of human to stand in the pulpit and um, preach. And so, um, and now I'm a Presbyterian, you know, I, I've spent all my life as a, as, a, as a Methodist, but then I go to this little church, I forget where it was, it's in some little itty-bitty Itabina, Mississippi, or something like that, just a tiny little place, and, 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 I, and interestingly enough, the pulpit was way out there. There were people sitting around me, I remember, and there wasn't that many of them, but um, so I launched into the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> and in the middle of it, I forgot it, the whole thing, just, it, just the old blank mind, just, and I stopped. <laughs> and instead of them going on without me and, you know, covering my tracks, no, no, they stopped with me. <laughs> so there we sat with eyes closed in utter silence, and I'm trying to figure, oh, where is it? Oh, what done? <laughs> and by the time I could remember anything, I was back to the trespassing and trespassers instead of the debts and the debtors. I was in my Methodist days as opposed to my Presbyterian environment now. You know, it, it, was, it was awful. So from then on, I decided to write the silly thing out uh, so that I don't forget it anymore. But anyway, do you like the Methodist version? The Methodist version is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Maybe a little clearer, perhaps? 
guys, think about it. Think what we just prayed. We looked into the face of heaven, at least ostensibly. That's what we were supposed to be doing, you know, we're going to pray instead of, okay, Jimmy said do this. This is, this is part four in the, you know, the ritual here, crazy man. And we pray these words. Blah, 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 blah. Yada, yada, yada. And oh, by the way, would you, it's my dear, dear, the heartfelt request that I would like to receive from forgiveness from your hand just like I forgave my wife yesterday. Is that what you want? I hope you can say that. I hope we can say that. Oh, God, forgive us our debts. Just like we forgive our debtors. Because, man, when it comes to me forgiving my debtors, I give it to them full, free, frequent, repeatedly, abundantly, graciously, mercifully. That's the first text that I wanted to mention to you this morning. I got a couple of more. The other one I just want to mention in passing. Tucked in the back of the New Testament, we're not even going to look at it, but tucked in the back of the New Testament is a book that is one chapter long. Um, and in that book, you will not find the word forgiveness at all. But what you will find is a letter, a letter written by Paul to his friend Philemon. And that's the name of the book, Philemon, one chapter long. And in the book, it's a story. It's a simple story. Um, uh, Paul, uh, Philemon came to know Christ through Paul's ministry. And now Philemon has a, a runaway slave whose name is Onesimus. And Onesimus has run away and, and found his way to Rome and for some, in the, in the mighty providence of God, found Paul in a jail cell. And he comes into Paul and Paul leads him to Christ too. So now Onesimus has got to go back to his owner, Philemon. And, and Paul writes a letter and um, he simply says, Philemon, you remember how you were restored to God in your rebellion? And then Philemon, here's what I want you to do. When Onesimus gets back there, I want you to restore him just like you were restored. Uh, the reason I mention that, ladies and gentlemen, is Paul very practically takes an occasion where a man needs to exercise forgiveness, and he writes him a letter. He says, now remember, think about this. Think about how, where you came from and what God did to bring you to himself. Now when Onesimus gets back to your doorstep, you restore him into your home like you were restored into the family of God. My friends, do we need to write you a letter? Because what Paul is asking Onesimus to do is simply what he asked the Colossian church to do and the Ephesian church to do, is to forgive as God in Christ forgave you. Now, one other text, and then I'll, I'll quit. I want you to take a look at a parable with me that is a wonderful parable. It's in Matthew 18. Um, it, it's wonderful in the sense that it is so blasted easy to understand. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science at all, folks. It's simple, pretty simple, easily understood. But the parable comes in response to a question that Peter puts to Jesus. 
Jesus, I mean, Peter walks up to Jesus and, and, and asks him a question, and then in response to that question, Jesus gives him a parable. And the parable is designed to answer the question. It's pretty simple. But uh, the question is in verse 21, that is Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, I, I, Jesus, I, 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 I need to ask you a little something here. You know, <laughs> life is rather difficult, and, and there's a lot of people out there that I, you know, I don't particularly care for. And um, tell me this, Jesus, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? So Peter is saying, uh, Jesus, you know, uh, there's people out there that sin against me all the time, and, and what I want to know from you is how often do, I, do you think I need to forgive them? Uh, because in, the, in, in, in Peter's mind, common sense would seem to suggest that offenders should not be granted some kind of forgiveness indefinitely. And so he says, and he recommends, I, I, I'll tell you this, I'll just go, you know, <laughs> I'll go around the block on this one, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I'll just... Well, I, I really think it should be about three, but, you know, I know being who you are and all. I tell you what, what do you think, Jesus? Do you think maybe seven? <laughs> seven times? Then you know what Jesus says. I do not say to you after seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And then he tells this parable. Let me read it to you real fast. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, I have patience with me. I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servants fell down, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. It's a funny kind of parable because it's so illustrative and, and um, I, I won't bore you trying to explain that which doesn't need to be explained. I think you see it already, but let me underscore a couple of the highlights and then I'm finished. Jesus is answering a question posed to him by Peter. How often should I forgive somebody? Up to seven times? So in this parable, the one who sins so frequently, even, you know, seven times a day, is illustrated and symbolized by this servant who owed such an unpayable, monstrous debt. And of course, the master in this parable is a picture of God. 
and that one who has the unpayable debt is simply a lost sinful man like us so so first of all who would dream of repeating a sin seven times in one day I would to God the king's forgiveness granted to this servant is astonishingly generous it is a picture of a loving and compassionate Heavenly Father a God of unfathomable mercy and grace who is always willing and even eager to forgive. Now look again with me at verses 28 through 30. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when you, um, when you read that, I think all of us, when we hear it, it is, it is a description of an absolutely morally repugnant act. It's morally repugnant, ladies and gentlemen, because it is. This, this first servant owes his very existence to an incompre incomprehensible act of mercy. And, and, and his behavior is grotesque. It reads like a, a caricature of the, of the worst sort of villainy. It, it seems unreal and inhuman. Who could possibly act this way? Surely not me. Yep, partner. That's the point. And then I want you to see that Jesus is underscoring the absurdity of this unforgiving servant of God, a Christian. And the lesson of this parable is that Christians who refuse to forgive others will be subject to the severest kind of discipline until they learn to forgive as they have been forgiven. Look, in verse 34, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was doing. You know, guys, I'm not, I, I can't document this. I can't prove it. I'm not going to try to prove it. But I wonder what kind of problems you and I are having right now that are the derivative of an unforgiving heart Things like um, depression, worry, anxiety, sleeplessness, ulcers. Because God has turned us over to the torturers until we learn that we are called to forgive the way that we've been forgiven. 
Years ago, when I was in Florida, I had a woman come to me, and um, I was, gosh, I couldn't have been over 29, 30. She had been married 20 years, and her marriage was awful. It had been awful for the goodly part of the marriage. Uh, how they stayed together, I don't know. And it didn't take a whole lot of counseling skill to find out, because I didn't have much counseling skill, still don't. But it didn't take a whole lot of counseling skill to ask a question here or there to get her to tell her story. Let me tell you the story. Um, this couple had been married about 20 years. And um, on their honeymoon, they had attended a parade. And as the parade passed them by and they stood on the, side of, on the sidewalk, her new husband of a day or two made some kind of salacious comment about one of the scantily clad majorettes that pranced by. And 20 years later, she still held on to it. Bad marriage? Oh, you bet they did. And I wonder if it's not another illustration of verse 34 of Matthew 18 where the closing comment or the next of the closing comment is the master is angry and he delivers the unforgiving servant over to the torturers. I wonder what kind of problems you and I have today because we have refused to obey this evangelical duty. Did you see in the paper this morning, it was on the front page, about this Roman Catholic priest whose mother was killed, murdered, and um, he was talking about how he was dealing with the, um, the murderer. And he said something in that article that I just thought was wonderful. He called it the miracle of forgiveness. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? The fact that you sit here today forgiven is the result of a miracle. Now, my dear friends in Christ, you and I are being asked to go repeat that. I want to take you back to one other passage and I'm finished. I want you to go back to the Lord's Prayer with me. There was part of it that I didn't read. And I saved it till last. Ladies and gentlemen, what I've said thus far, at least one of the things that I've said, is that the theme of forgiveness is simply be like God. Go look at your own forgiveness and then respond in kind. C.S. Lewis the genius of Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. I close with two verses tucked at the end of the Lord's Prayer. They need no comment because you can understand these without me. Verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, look at it, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. can say no more. Our Father, I thank you for your word that is so abundantly clear when it comes to this issue of forgiveness. And I pray that you will, um, by simply having seen it, that your people will respond with the, the, the miracle of evangelical forgiveness. Father, what is being asked of us is indeed very complex, very difficult, very hard, yes but it's also very clear as to what you would have of us. That we can declare to a world a little bit about who you're like and what you're like by extending and distributing forgiveness to people who have offended us. Grant us that, O oh God, we beg you. In Jesus' name, amen.